This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast. My name is Jeremy Kubitschek. Today, as always, I'm with the... I need, a, I need a different word. What's the word I want to say with Steve Cochran? What's the adjective that you want me to use? Inspirational. I'm with the inspirational Steve Cochran. I don't know. That didn't work. I'll keep working on it. Um, hey, man. Welcome back. <laughs> we're, both, we're both back. For those who didn't know... And why should you? We went on a little vacation, as most people do. Uh, mine was a vaca- proper vacation. Steve was a little bit of a golf tour that might be yeah. uh, not necessarily vacation with family, but uh, maybe a vacation for you for a little bit. Is that fair? You're putting words in my mouth, Jeremy. I was on a, uh, a business trip, if you ask the tax man, networking and basically introducing new clients into the world of giants. So, yeah, no, mine wasn't vacation. Don't think I'm counting this as part of my one week <laughs> off. <or> my... <laughs> uh, nice. nice try. Nice try. Yeah, you're, uh, the, the European vacation schedule is um, pretty amazing and uh, versus the, you know, the, the small two weeks of the American uh world they they can't contemplate that and that, neither can i but uh, <laughs> anyway Where did you go tell them i saw some nice pictures of you with a we were you, you're a, you're a little bit like jonah the, tr- the tropical storms and hurricanes seem to follow you everywhere we go there's always one yeah we we had the benefit of going through um alberto the the subtropical depression we learned all this new uh, language about storms it was nothing. Literally, it was the biggest hype on the news. It was this, you know, the first almost hurricane of hurricane season, blah, blah, blah. We were in Florida. We were right in uh, by Destin in a place called Seaside, for those who know Seagrove to be specific. And it was awesome. About a, a block and a half from the beach. First three days of the trip, uh, just rain. That's all it is. Rain five, seven inches. Uh, but the, the beautiful part about it is I get to write chapters seven, eight. Uh, of our book and you and I working on that together and we have Steve and I have this process we go through in writing the book and so I got a chance to really hunker down and get some words written and that felt really really good and um, so then we had three days on the beach to get sunburned we were sunburned by the second day on the beach and the third day was miserable but (laughs) other than that we had (coughs) we had a number of sunburned um, people even playing the golf tour, particularly those who forgot they don't have as much hair as they used to have. Um, there's a number of burnt scalps, so I'm not going to go into names. And we also had um, Brad Bembo, who you'll know from JDA Consulting. Brad came all the way over from America for four days, five days playing golf. So that was, we had such a great time together. We love what they're doing. And uh, yeah, he's a good golfer. And, and what did you, uh, what did you play? We played at a place called the Oxfordshire, where basically we could... We could stay there. We, so we had hotel rooms. There was a spa. They did dinners for us, private dining every night and breakfast. And it was just perfect, really. Yep. It, it, probably, I think we're realizing we're getting older. We're walking two sets of 18 holes in a day is just too much. So when the rain came Tuesday afternoon, everyone was like, yep, let's, let's can that. And we all went and sat in the spa in the hot tub for the afternoon. So, yep, obviously a very, very tough um, couple of days for me. So... Um, I don't want any huge sympathy, and I certainly didn't get any when yeah. I got back exhausted and uh, kind of aching for playing too much golf. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, you won't get sympathy <laughs> from me, but I'm glad I'm, I'm grateful for you. No, I'm joking. Oh. I love it. For those who know, to know, to, liberation for Steve Cockrum would be on the golf course. The freedom that Steve feels and the opportunity to play and 
So that's awesome, man. And uh, I had a good time with the family. So, man, feeling uh, feeling recouped, recharged, re-energized, enough to fire up the 4 million people that are ready for us today. And today we're going into um, talking about liberating uh, a guardian. We've been talking over the last couple of what does it look like to liberate uh, a nurturer? What does it look like to liberate a, um, a creative? Today we get the benefit or those guardians in the world get the benefit of listening to what does it mean to liberate a, a guardian? And um, so, Steve, if you'll remind us of the guardian and who they are, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll jump right into it. So guardians are the champions of due diligence, asking the tough questions, uh, systems, processes, stewarding money, um, Guardians basically are probably the hardest role, the hardest voice to play in most teams because if you don't understand what they're doing, they can usually annoy people. But their ability to ask good questions, their ability in some ways to to really kick at ideas, they, they kind of inherently believe if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. And in some ways, they save teams and organizations so much time, so much money, if you're prepared to let the guardian really do that due diligence. You know, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Have we got a contingency plan? Can we run a pilot? So basically the guardians are those custodians of what is truth. That's one of their favorite words. Is it true? Is it defendable? Is it logical? Is it rational? Is it reasoned? Can I see empirical, concrete evidence ideally backed up with historical um, data and evidence, which allows me to believe that this is a sensible way of using time, money, and effort. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the guardian in a nutshell. I think one of their big challenges, as we'll come back to again, is often tone and tact. Guardians can often be right and wrong at the same time, which often frustrates them and other people. Their determination to get to what is true often forgets that behind that truth is a person with an idea. And so sometimes they can actually lose capital with people even when they're right, because the way they ask it, the way they challenge, the way it feels sometimes to be on side, the other interrogation of a guardian often puts people on the defensive and kind of what you don't believe me. So there we go. There's my quick pen sketch for guardians, but without them, um, teams will never function the way they could. Absolutely. Uh, I live with two guardians. So my wife is a guardian. Uh, my my uh, middle child, my son, uh, Will, is a guardian. And over the weekend and over the last week, I experienced all types of guardian conversations. Uh, as I was the, the connector creating and thinking about the future, uh, dreaming about all types of things, and I immediately got the rational uh, truth, truthometer uh does, does this make sense? Well, what about this? Have you thought about that? How about this? And the reality was, no, 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 no. Actually, remember, I'm thinking way out here, and I'm coming towards you. I need you to help me dream. Just be okay dreaming. Ask me questions. But it was really, really, they're, they're amazing because um, in a guardian, their desire for black and white, their desire for logic and truth and organization, I mean, it's just... Uh, they bring so much to an organization, uh, but to what you're saying, uh, the reality is that they can lose influence simply by the way they say things, by the way that they they communicate, can oftentimes discount the very uh, strength of their voice. 
And so uh, liberating a, a guardian, this will be really, really um, helpful. So for all the guardians in the world, you probably know um, and, and probably get frustrated at times because you see uh, either you're frustrated with people because they're not thinking the way that you think, uh, or you might be frustrated with the response that you get and might be confused at times why people either work around you at times or um, maybe seem to ignore or um, uh, maybe they act differently with you. I think this might be really helpful. So um, let's jump in, Steve. Um, what needs to happen to liberate a guardian? Well, I think the <clears throat> if we start with self, and we've each time we've kind of read a definition that we've we've created, which is almost like what does what does every guardian wish you knew about them? So this is almost for them. This is this is what every guardian is really saying to all the other voices. And for a guardian, particularly to people like you, the connector, their nemesis voice, the one that they distrust the most. So this is what this is what a guardian's really saying even if they're not saying it out loud. They're saying, I need you to respect my professionalism, my competence, and desire to bring order and systems and processes to life. Let me ask my questions and really do the due diligence. Value the real me that lies behind my logical, rational questions and often harsh critique. So I'll read it again. This is what the guardian is saying to you. If you happen to be a guardian or you happen to be guardian in your family or guardian teams, if you can grasp that behind all the exterior, this is what they're saying to you, I need you to respect my professionalism, my competency and desire to bring order and systems and processes to life. Let me ask my questions and do my due diligence. Value the real me that lies behind my logical, rational questions and critique. That's basically gold for guardian understanding. So that's my first starter for 10. So we have uh, one of our um, good friends is a guy named Brandon Hutchins. And Brandon um, is a CEO of a company called Gaskins. It's a engineering surveying company out of Marietta, Georgia. And Brandon is the quintessential guardian. And we have had so many conversations, uh, both Steve and I, but, but also just he and I. And each time we have had conversations through the years, it can drive me nuts. And yet um, I so <laughs> value I so value him, and he knows mm -hmm. that I value him, but he also works really hard to communicate back to me and understands and values me as a connector. So what's great about it is we've learned how to value one another. So that whole idea is value the real me that lies behind the logical, rational questions and critique. I so value Brandon as a person, as a friend, um, and vice versa, that it enables both of us to have this uh, level of trust the relational trust that we need to be able to communicate effectively. Now, there are times where I can, I can get frustrated and get short and defensive and those kind of things as a connector would do. And there are times when he might roll his eyes uh, at me as the guardian you know, can do. But the reality is because we've, we really value one another and we value so much so that uh, there are some big decisions that Steve and I were planning to make uh, that he actually challenged and really mm -hmm. caused us to... Uh, to, to change our minds and we're so glad that he did simply because he was willing to ask the, the hard questions and critique some, some things that we were working on. Mm. I think the, um, if you think of, you know, if you're, if you, if you're liberating a guardian, a guardian really has to understand first what it's like to be on the other side of them. 
So self-awareness and emotional intelligence is not necessarily a natural skill, but it's probably one of the most significant things that, it, that we'd encourage a guardian to do, which is you have to be able to look in the mirror and you have to understand that you just being you, if your tendencies just become your actions, you will often alienate yourself from people in a way that you don't need to. Because it's that sense of going that without self-awareness, a guardian often ends up deeply frustrated. Why will no one listen to what I've got to say? Why is it that it always appears that people roll their eyes when I say something? Why aren't people listening? A lot of guardians almost describe themselves as living in this kind of plastic tube where they're hammering on the, the plastic going, guys, I know why this won't work. I, I know what's going to happen if we do this. But for some reason, that the people around them are, don't seem prepared to be able to receive the critique and challenge that the guardian brings when they're being accidental in what they do. So I, th I say that's my first starter for the guardian is going, you have to work on this self-awareness. You have to use the mirror. And you probably have to ask people, what's it really like to be on the other side of me? Because usually it's not because what you're saying is wrong that you lack influence. It's because people don't know how to receive it or they don't welcome it because it doesn't feel life-giving to be on the other side of that guardian. Now, that feels quite harsh, but that's only because we know that competency is such a huge driver. And in the end, most guardians are going, well, why has no one told me this before? Because this would have been so helpful. What we're doing here is we're trying to be liberators to you first, to speak the truth in love, which is to go, you have to understand what it's like to be on the other side of you, particularly for those more relational voices for whom basically the, the Fs, the nurturers, the connectors, and some of those creative feelers, because you will alienate them with your critique as your default communication code in the process. And because of that, it closes, closes communication down. People aren't as receptive as they ought to be or could be. I'm, I'm currently coaching a senior executive and um, who's a guardian, and the conversations are really interesting because uh, I'll listen and we have built such trust that he'll kind of he'll whine to me and kind of share his frustration about other executives or other people on this team. And when when he does, what happens um, is he'll I'll have him replay. Well, how'd the conversation go? Okay, what did you say? And what did they say? And I go back and forth. And when I finally figure out what they said, I then walk them through the Know Yourself, Lead Yourself tool. Okay, do you see your pattern? Do you, this is your tendency to get frustrated at X, Y, and Z. Do you see your pattern? Your pattern is to interrogate. And then this was your action. And this was the phrase that seemed to spark the frustration. Is that right? Eh, probably so. And what was your body language like? I don't know. I didn't see, I don't see myself. Uh, what was your tone like? I don't know. So then what we do is we then dissect it and we go, what could you have said? And I give them three options. Here's what you said, but let's go A, B, or C. You said C. What if you had said A or B? What do you think that? And so what I'm doing is I'm working on the the actions that are provoking. So the truth is truth. There's things that he's trying to find out, but how he says it can often provoke and cause the consequences that really frustrate him and doesn't know how. So we're just simply using know yourself, lead yourself. And that's just a great way if you have guardians on your team, if you're training up people to go, okay, I want let's replay what just happened and then walk them through to give them alternatives. For them, it kind of sounds um, in the beginning kind of mamby-pamby or kind of soft. Oh, and, and then they kind of, a few characters that, I, that I've, guardians I've worked with, 
they'll um they'll be kind of dramatic and go, "Oh, you want me to say it like this?" Hey, Steve, how are you? You know, and they kind of are they're facetious when I'm like, "No, no, no." Just think through, is there a better tone intact? But because most of the guardians don't hear themselves, then it's almost like, do you guys mind if I record you? Can I record you in your next conversation so you can actually hear it yourself? And I think once they kind of see it and feel it, I know a couple of guardians specifically who have really seen what it's like to be on the other side of themselves. And it's been dramatic in the change but that's just one way that you could uh, you could train other guardians. Yeah, that's really good. And um, I think if you're leading guardians, um, the biggest thing for you as the leader is to actually understand and settle in your own mind why you think they are a huge advantage to the performance of your team. If you don't see why guardians are so important, then basically you won't create the environment or work at what does it mean to create the environment of high support and high challenge for them. So, for example, the, the more a guardian feels understood, the more a guardian feels valued by their leader, the more they relax, actually, and the more useful they become. It's when they feel that they're not being heard or they're not being valued that, in some senses, you end up with a negative spiral because their behavior becomes more competitive as they try and fight for airtime. So I would say if you're leading guardians, you have to take the time as often as you can to affirm why you believe the contribution of the guardian is so vital to the performance of your team. And you have to create the space for them to be able to be them at their best. Remember, we're talking 30% of the population speak guardian as their foundational voice and 70% of those are male. And we often say in the rules of engagement to guardians, we say, guardians, please ask the difficult questions. We want you to really do the due diligence on the ideas, on the possibilities. We want to make sure that we don't move ahead irresponsibly and we promise that we'll stay engaged with your questions for as long as we can. So I often say most guardians will bring 20 questions on a clipboard and I often say, why don't you choose the three to five that you think are the most significant questions you'd like to ask? Because we probably haven't got time to answer all of them. But this idea of basically honoring the guardian and what I'll often do is I'll often say, guys, I think this is the hardest voice to play in a team. Because when everyone's getting excited about the future and some of those more visionary future voices are describing how we're going to change the world, the guardian almost always feels like they're pouring cold water or they're kind of, they're, they're bursting the balloon of all the ideas. And I would say, guys, we need you to play this role. Because in the end, if you don't play it, we will end up squandering time, we'll end up squandering money, and ultimately we'll end up hurting people because there won't be the capital there for future expansion. So if you're leading a guardian, even if it's difficult, you'll find that the more that you affirm their value, the more you honor their contribution, the more intentional you become at creating space for the guardian to ask their questions, it's almost like it becomes a virtuous cycle. So the more you do that, the better guardians you get, the better their contribution, the more you trust them, that you're able to translate them then to other members of the team. And all of a sudden, a guardian who feels honored, because it's an honor culture, respected, valued, brings a real contribution to the table, you find that basically they become more and more and more valuable to you as a team. So that's a really important thing. If you're a leader and you're, particularly if guardians lower down your voice order, you'll find that basically you can dismiss them if you're a connector and a pioneer. Um, you can basically brush them away, but if you do, you'll always pay a cost for that in multiple ways. 
So good. Yeah, for the Guardians, uh, your opportunity, we, we often kind of joke about the rise of the Guardians, but the, the idea of if Guardians can really step in and become mature and secure and really, really comprehend um, what is hard to comprehend, but what it's like to be on the other side of themselves, if they can become that, then they are pure gold to an organization. So again, um, if you're listening and you're not a Guardian, but look at your organization on your team who plays that role? Who is that? Who is the, who is the guardian? And learn to value them. And, you know, for the guardians listening, it's easier to learn to value you when you do the same thing. When the, when the guardians can learn to value the future-oriented voices, the connectors, the creatives, the pioneers. And um, so the mutual respect of one another is significant. And uh, I just did a session, um, Transforming Teams Communications is one of our uh, programs that, that we offer. And I just did, uh, did that for a uh, manufacturing company. And what was really fascinating, we had, a, we had about, there was roughly about 30%, it was almost exactly on, about 30% of, of the 200 or so people that in the room were guardians. And um, when we went through and they were adamant about them being right and they were kind of joking about it you know we're right we know it and uh but we really had this opportunity to go can you humble yourself to really value each other and that's not just for guardians that's for every voice can you humble yourself to understand that someone else might bring value uh, to, to the organization but that's really what what this is about it's mutual respect and the guardians are worth the respect because they usually bring so much that's so needed without the guardians we wouldn't have lights we wouldn't have infrastructure we wouldn't have so much uh, in our world mm -hmm. and so that's our our uh, goal is to help you learn how to liberate how to be liberated how to train um, other guardians that are in your world any last mm -hmm. thoughts on that steve yeah i had a really good one that i've just kind of half forgotten but if i keep talking as a true expert it will come back to me I think the, the thing for me, the, the, the thing with the Guardian is, is almost giving them space. But when you lead them, recognize that they probably want a lot more work from you at the beginning of a project. So for you, Jeremy, if I appear to micromanage you or kind of constantly come back to you and go, tell me what you, you you'll get frustrated because that's not for you. But for most Guardians, the time when as a leader you have to invest the most time is at the beginning where you're clarifying what success looks like. So I think I'm good at detail, but I'm probably not as good as I thought I was. Um, so I'll often say to the Guardian, do you know what success looks like? Do you know what I'm asking you to do? And almost 99% of the time, the first time I ask the question, they go, nowhere near enough yet. I've got, still got questions, I've still got details. So sometimes in the, in the old days, that was really frustrating. I'd be like, well, are you that incompetent and unintelligent that you can't understand what I'm asking for? Now what I realize is they actually really want to know what the details are. So when a guardian says to me, Steve, I know exactly what you're looking for. Thank you for investing the time. Leave it with me. At that point, I know that it will happen in the same way that the, you know, the Fed or the Bank of England guarantee money. So that's my other little thing. If you're leading guardians, sometimes you feel that they want so much time and so much detail at the beginning. But that's part of how you can be a liberator for them because once they've done that, they will deliver on what they promise. We often joke and say that when you know projects or deadlines come near for a guardian, the hardest thing in the world is, is not just to become all-consumed 
with the deadline that is there that you know we joke they say they, they they often struggle to eat let alone be nice to people let alone sleep for fear of letting the team down so sometimes as a leader you can actually use guardians you can use and abuse the fact that they would rather die than fail and one of the key things I often say is just helping the guardian keep that balance and rhythm in their lives you've often got to help them to do what we would call second gear let alone third gear and a bit of first gear to keep them as it were healthy because their default will be to become overwhelmed with work particularly when they fear that they may not hit the deadline they've agreed with so that's another one of those ways that you can be a real liberator for the guardians that you lead because if you're not careful they can become a bit of a work bore you've actually got to help them sometimes get out of themselves get out of their work and go do you know you're a human being and we value for that you're not just a human doing that simply only ever crunches numbers and delivers projects for us i always seem to have something extra at the end of these podcasts jeremy so that's why you know i'm usually sharing my penance of how i've got it wrong final thoughts from you no, that's good. I, I would say for any of the guardians listening, what's your personal development plan here? What's something that you want to take away? What's something that's helpful uh, for you? It might, it might be a reminder of self-awareness. It might be a reminder to what's it like to be on the other side of yourself. It might be the understanding of uh, finding value in other people. Um, and um, at the same time, for you to fight for your own highest possible good for you to liberate yourself. There might be some things in, in here as well for you. For those leading guardians, what's your takeaway? Um, what is something that you need to do? How, how do you value the real person that lies behind their logic, their rational questions, mm-hmm. and, and their critique? How do you really value their professionalism and competency and, and really show it? Um, guardians are not going to want a lot of fluff. Uh, they're not going to, uh, don't, you know, uh, don't flatter them. But instead, uh, show them uh, how you value their, their professionalism and competency and come up with some ideas for that. So uh, a game plan for you that are leading guardians would be something I would say for, as a takeaway. So th- that's our goal. Our job is to raise up liberators, right? This whole concept of learning how to do liberation as a lifestyle. And uh, what, we've, what we've done is we've now taken so much of what we've heard in our liberator podcast and we've started creating programs We've got some exciting announcements we'll share with you all about um, some of our um, new licensing opportunities. We've got our Transforming Team Communications product and program for those who really, really want to drive this down into the organization. So you can see those if you go to giantworldwide.com. There's information on that there. But for um, all, thank you so much for listening, for your feedback. We love your feedback. questions, any comments or, or questions, you can reach us um, at uh, giantworldwide.com or at justin at giantworldwide.com for any specific details. All right, Steve, last comment. <laughs> Let's make this a Hugger Guardian week. Ooh, <laughs> just, to watch their, just watch their feelings when you go in close for a nice little hug and say, I so appreciate you, Guardian, and all that you bring to our world. So there we go. It's love a Guardian. Not a, hug not a, a literal week. hug. Yeah, absolutely. Give them a little hug. It's good for them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys. Okay. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.